to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast, your local business community resource. My name is Denise Heidel. Not only do I serve as your podcast host, but I'm also the executive director of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. On behalf of the Chamber, thank you for listening and for your support of the Chamber business community. Hello, and welcome to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Denise Heidel, and I am joined today by two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I want to introduce our listeners to Danielle Jamison and Tracy Buck. And ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. We're going to take a quick break from this episode to hear a message from Tiffany Birdsong with Fostering Faith Foundation. Hi, my name is Tiffany Birdsong. I'm the founder of Fostering Faith Foundation. Our organization has served foster families, group homes, kinship families, and aged out foster youth for six years now. With needed necessities, one of our biggest things is being able to make Christmas wishes come true for our friends in care every Christmas. We do this through donations, community help, and local businesses. If you are interested in volunteering, donating, or know a foster family in need, you can contact us at 336-602-9975 or tmbirdsong at fosteringfaithfoundation.org. Thank you so much to Tiffany Birdsong and all she does for Fostering Faith Foundation and kids in our community. And now let's get back to our podcast. So our topic today is how to build a company culture. And really, honestly, there are no two people in the world better at this than these two ladies. So I'm delighted that they're here. So I'm going to ask you both to introduce yourselves, tell a little bit about what you do. Um, Danielle, let's just start with you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I am a general manager for a Great Clips franchise, and I help oversee about 17 salons right now. And I just really love working with people. 17 salons. So you Mm -hmm. basically sit around and twiddle your thumbs all day. Well, that's what some people think. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's much more than that. I know it is. I know that you stay very, very busy. So Tracy. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with both of you. You're two of my favorite people as well. Um, I'm Tracy Buck with Esther Tea Company, and I just launched a brand new company and podcast. So it's really fun to be a guest here. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. So we're talking about how to build a company culture today. And like I said, I've, I've worked with both of you before in the past, and I, I know both of you have just an incredible gift for building uh, company culture. So let's just first of all define it. What does company culture mean to each of you? Okay, well, I'll start. (laughs) So company culture to me, first of all, I just do not believe that any organization or company can succeed without people. So the most important asset we have in any company is humans. And culture is what drives that growth. Because without people, you can't succeed. So the culture is how it feels when you come to work every day. You know, it's the difference between, um, you know, an, an organization full of people that are excited to be there and not. I would agree. I definitely agree with that. And I, I think it also has to, when you're trying to grow a business, it's your culture depends on your results. And because it is your people that do the results. And, you know, I just think that you have to come to work and feel good about what you're doing. You don't want it to be work, right? And you want it to feel good and make money at the same time. 
that's the fun. That's a really good point too, because a lot of people want to ignore the metrics part of it. But if you, the, to, the metrics to me are just the result of how well you're impacting society. So it's in, that's an important part. You're right. Is measuring those results. And everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. Yes. Oh, it's all about winning. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. No if you're not winning. Right. So we're going to take a quick pause from today's podcast to recognize one of our sponsors, Marzano Capital Group. Hi, this is Mike McGilvery, financial advisor and partner at Marzano Capital Group in Clemens. We are privileged to serve this great community, and we strive to help our clients by building wealth management plans tailored to their specific goals. Consistent client communication is the cornerstone of our process, and we hope to add value to your financial planning needs. Once again, thank you to Marzano Capital Group for their support of the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce. And now, let's get back to the podcast. So let's talk about, okay, because I completely agree with both of you about that is what company culture looks like, what it is. So, but what are some signs that a culture is is going downhill that maybe we need to make some improvements? And then also what's the sign of a healthy culture? Let's 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 start with the bad and end on a high note. So what what would be a, a weak company culture? Well, for me, when I walk in, it's a feeling. Like you can, if, if there's it tension, really, you can feel it. It's really intangible, isn't it? Yes. And it's, it kind of, it's like, whoa, what and is going on? You f- when you feel it, you know it. You do. I think when I think of a poor company culture, I think of um, team members that have their car backed up mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in the parking lot and that, if you know, they're milking the clock. They're just counting down the moments and they're, they've got their car, they've got their bag packed, ready to go. You know what I'm talking about? They've got their car backed in so that all they have to do is clock out and get out there and take off. Well, since I always back into a parking <laughs> spaces, I'm not quite sure what to make out of it. <laughs> I know we all, we all know that I'm an anomaly behind the wheel of a car. So it's for sure. <laughs> well, and I also think too, just you can feel it when you, when it's more of an individual focus rather than a team focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So, you know, a team is the, the success is measured by the results of the team, which requires us to individually do our part, but to really make sure that we're doing our part together and making sure we hold each other accountable and just being able to say, Here's my part in this. I'm going to do it really, really well. But on the same side of things, I'm going to help you too. Mm-hmm. And it's really just being able to step out past what you're doing. The person that waits the the clock out at the end of the day. It's those are. It's being a teammate is being selfless too. I was actually thinking of how the team that is selfish is not looking out for the greater good. And what you were just describing is the selfless act. So mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. So that's where I was going. So, um, so we've talked about, you know, what makes a culture bad, but what makes it good, you know, and again, you talked about the feeling when you walk into a building or into an office, you can feel, you can tell where there's tension in the air and when there's not, when there's a lot of laughter and, you know, people are happy and excited to be, to be there. And, you know, and you just want to be in a place like that, even if you didn't necessarily want to go to work that day. When you walk in and everybody's happy and engaged, it just makes you want to stay. Okay, now it's time to work. It's time to focus. And it's time to be a part of all of this. I think it's really important in a positive and a great culture. You want people that care. 
and they're not going to care until they know that they're cared for. So it starts with a genuine concern for your people. And then also it's important to set clear expectations because a lot of times leaders don't want to talk about that part. They don't want to set the expectation. But in my decades of leading people, I found that people love that. They want to know, and then they want to be celebrated. So it's pretty simple. You know, you set clear expectations um, and then you celebrate them when they hit them. And then before you know it, what what matters to me from a leadership role is what they're doing when I'm not there. Mm -hmm. You know, what you should be able, if you're really leading effectively, you should be able to step away and know that things are going to run smoothly without Mm -hmm. you. And to me, that's the, that's a true, that's the definition of a successful leader is knowing that you can move on to something different and it's still going to operate in the same way as when you were there. Well, that's okay. So we're going to take a little scenic tour from our original program outline, um, because I think that that's really interesting because I know that sometimes as a leader, the whole idea of having to stop, engage, explain what's in our head, just intuitively that we know it like the back of our hand having to stop and put those boundaries and those expectations in place just feels like another thing on the to-do list. So let's talk about that for a second. How can you really start to embrace the importance of that step? I think, first of all, um, you know, in leadership, you have to define the overarching goal. Where are you going? What is the big, hairy, audacious goal that you're trying to reach? And then you work backwards from that, right? Is that a scientific term? Big, hairy, <laughs> audacious BHAG, goal. It's BHAG. It came from a, one of the many books that I read, but it's BHAG is what it is. A big, hairy, audacious goal. And you have to know that. Like You have to have a clear, for, for a great culture, you have to have a clear vision that everybody is on board with. The entire team has to know that. And they have to be bought in. So it's not just that you have a vision. It has to be one that everyone buys in. To. And then the challenge is getting people one by one on the boat or the bus or whatever you want to call it, you know, but setting those setting those expectations starts with knowing where you're going first. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put a pin in there about getting people on the boat or the bus or whatever the mode of transportation is. We're <laughs> going to come back to that here in just a second. But, um, you know, you both have had a lot of experience working with teams and working with um you know, different, different environments. And I know that you guys are very well acquainted with what a good culture versus a bad culture can do for employee morale. So, you know, we just spoke about the boundary factor, but, but what, what kind of impact can this have on the entire team of a business? Like the bad employee, right? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to go there. Well, you know, it can it can damage the the good parts of the team. It um it can make your people feel like you don't care if you keep that one person who is just maybe they're negative or maybe they're just defiant or you know the people who don't like to do things when you're not around. And I think it just it can damage a, the team morale. So I mean, one person has the ability to damage a whole team, and then it can if you are not if you are afraid to get rid of them, then you're thinking wrong because you have to get rid of the issue or whatever's holding the team back. They've got to go. It's almost like a toxin. It is. It's like, I mean, I know we talk about toxic environments, but it's not an underestimation to say that that really happens. It, It can one person, and it's not that they're a bad person, 
they may just be in the wrong seat. They may just not be a fit. So I have a little different take on it too. um, Because for me, the win is when you take that person and you convert them into being who it is that you want. And again, it goes back to setting expectations. So if you set the expectation and they've got to be able to get it, they've got to be able to want it, and they have to be able to have the capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you may have an employee or a team member that gets it and wants it, but they just aren't capable. Mm -hmm. And then it feels like it feels bad, just as bad for them as it does for the leader. So Chick-fil-A has this this, um, process that they use where they help people land on their feet. And I really love that. So they, they, just as they help people succeed, they also help them if they're not a fit, mm-hmm. they help them land on their feet somewhere else. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing mm-hmm. if they're not a fit, if they've got, but like you said, there are those toxins or whatever you want to call them. But I found that most of the time, if you sit down and you listen and you try to meet that person where they are, and then you set that expectation and you give them the tools, that's the part that a lot of business leaders miss is that you can't just say, well, here's the expectation. You have to find, meet them where they are and then find out what it is that they need to meet the expectation. And then if you, if they can't for whatever reason, then it's pretty easy to get them off the team, you know, because they're not going to be blindsided. They're going to know I knew the expectation and it, I didn't meet it. You right. Know? Right. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing to get someone off your team. And that's something we definitely, we always try to meet them where they're at yes. for sure, but not being afraid to either be short staffed or yes. whatever it may be to get, if you've given them opportunity to make the change and they haven't, then it's, it's time to pull the plug. It's true. And sometimes we think, I think as leaders, we think that more is better, but I've found, especially at this stage of my career, that I'd rather have less people that did more. You know, because if I if I've got the right team in place, I don't necessarily need another body to fill 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 it. You know, if you've got a team of people that really wants to meet the goal, then I found that, you know, with our team now that we all pitch in to do whatever it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. And that's a fun place to be, you know, but it's hard getting there sometimes. It is, you know, just because you have to make those because the heart says one thing, you know, the mind facts (laughs) are somewhere else sometimes. So what are your tips for cleaning up a poor company culture? Well, for me, I I normally just, you know, go in and feel it out. And for me, like the best team is, it's like a puzzle, right? Each piece is different, but it fits. So being able to find everybody's strength and build on that and recognize what, like really highlighting their differences, right? And, And teaching that to the team rather than you, sometimes you find people nitpicking other people. Well, we're all different, right? And so if we can embrace each other's differences, it works. But, you know, it's it's just taking that time to step back. And I think when you go into a new team and you've got culture and there's an issue, you definitely have to put a little work into it and setting those clear expectations and building a vision of where you're going, where you want to be and making sure that everybody's on board with that. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. I think it's also super important to, um, to get the team involved in making decisions, mm. you know, and and to get their input because uh, oftentimes the best, the solutions are in the room. And a lot of times I think we, this is a big fail in, in leadership is that we want to surround ourselves with people who are like us. And I call it like the queen bee syndrome, 
because there's always that one person who's we've always done it this way, Tracy. Oh, I think those <laughs> are the most dangerous it's, words in corporate America. It is. We've always done it this right. way because the truth is that nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. And so we're the, so the most successful teams in my experience are the ones who are willing to morph and change kind of like ebb and flow. And it's important to, first of all, have an open mindset. And second of all, to have think outside the box. And like Danielle said, I love that because, you know, if you can surround yourself with a team who who is extremely different and all the way around, you're going to get better results quicker, which is opposite of what people think, because most leaders are like, well, I want people like me because I do this. And I, I, I. But if you take a minute to just take a deep breath and look at the gifts around you, just like what you said, you say, OK, well, this person's good at this and this person's good at this. And then you put them into that position where they can succeed. The overall health of the team, you're going to hit, hit goals. Well, to go back to Daniel's pu- puzzle analogy, you can't put a puzzle together if all the pieces are the same shape. Mm-hmm. So true. I love that. I never thought about that, but it's mm-hmm. such a great right. visual it is. So, all right. So we've, you know, in true to form when the three of us have a conversation, I mean, I know we all three have raging shiny object syndrome and we can, we can bounce all over the place for a conversation, but we always manage to come right back to it. So, but you know, when we talk about getting the team on board for creating a healthy company culture and work environment, which I think we've touched on quite a few of those, the big question is how do we maintain it? Oh, so I, I could love, to, I could talk about this topic all day long um, because I believe I'm old fashioned. Like I believe in checklists. And the reason I believe in checklists is because once you have your goal defined and when I leave organizations, the first thing they do is get rid of my checklist, right? Because nobody wants to check on the checklist. But the truth is that the checklist, all it does is it's those daily mundane things that you have to do to succeed. And in my mind, what it does is it frees the mind up. So if you know you've got a checklist and you're checking off, okay, I got to do this and this and this and this, this, and you're checking it. A, you feel like you're accomplishing something. But the second part of that is that it frees your mind to think about ways that you can grow. So you, you, what you don't check on will fall through the cracks without a doubt. And, and it's just almost like, you know, the checklist in my mind is that's the manager side of things, mm-hmm. managing the business. And then, like you said, it frees up the time to develop your people and really just focus love in it. on them. Well, I mean, uh, you love it because I learned it from you. <laughs> you know, you take care of your people. It grows the business, right? It's, it's awesome. It is. That's the way. That, and, and that's the reward. Don't you mm-hmm. think like as Absolutely. a leader, the reward is in seeing others grow, you know? And so despite what people think, leaders want people to grow. Too. You know, and sometimes it's those hard decisions that we have to make to to for the greater good of the people. I bet you face that a lot. I like, do. you know, your decision making. So so one person may view it as this, but the truth is that you're thinking from, OK, how am I going to get this entire team forward? Mm-hmm. Right. And I can't, and it's hard because you can't just focus on one person, right? Right. And it's figuring out how to do it all together. And that can be hard, but also being in leadership is hard. You know, it's being selfless and putting others before yourself. And like, yes. And like the reward you said, that's, I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's just, it's a feeling like, for example, at our old awards banquets, you know, you see somebody go across the stage. You might say, you know, Danielle, that was because of you, but I don't even need that. I can feel it in my heart. And that's something that only true leaders will ever be able to feel that. And you don't need the recognition. So true. Watching the people grow. That is the recognition. That is it. It is. Ooh, getting a chill. Me too. (laughs) 
Well, y'all are both tremendous leaders and I know your people respect you. And I think honestly, that just leads me into some, you know, final thoughts on this whole topic is that, you know, when you have people who are willing to respect you, um, I mean, somebody has to lead. You can't have everybody across the board being the leader. You need good followers too. And those good followers help set the stage for the culture, not only for the existing team, but for those who come in behind. I mean, and I know it, it can sometimes be scary, especially when you have a really, really good functioning team. The whole idea of bringing in a new person, like let's say you've grown, you need a new person. The whole idea of bringing in and that unknown variable into a really functioning team is scary because what if they rock the boat? What if they mess it up? What if? But if you've you've groomed your followers really, really well, they're going to groom the new person coming in and help help set them up for That's success true. as well. And I believe that in order to be a great leader, you have to first be a great follower so that you can understand what mm-hmm. it's like to follow. Yeah, I love that TED Talk with the crazy dancer. Yes! That's one but of my favorites. That is yeah. hands down my favorite yeah, TED it's, Talk. It's the, um, it's the first follower that makes the biggest difference, mm-hmm. not the lone nut. If you haven't seen seen that, you should go watch it. Yeah, Google, Google the TED Talk, the lone nut. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> an excellent... TED Talk. It's like, what, five minutes? It's super short. Oh, it, but it's so fun. It is. I, can't, I don't think you can watch it and not have a smile on your face afterwards. I know, right? Yeah. So it's a great one. I just, I wish they could see it, but whenever you were just talking, I just thought about the pendulum thing. <laughs> <laughs> so can't be afraid to bring somebody else new. Maybe they have really mm. awesome ideas that is going to enhance your team, or maybe they don't. And maybe it messes things up, but you have, you can't be afraid of that to try because it's always going to be okay. There's nothing that we can't fix. What's your favorite quote on failure? Oh, so um, try, fail, learn, try, fail, learn, try, succeed. I love it. I love it. That feels like a good place to wrap up. Thank Thank y'all so much for being here. And um, this has been an episode featuring Danielle Jamison and Tracy Buck talking about building a company culture. Um, Please make sure that you share and tell others about our podcast channel. And until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Once again, thank you for listening to the Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce podcast. The Louisville Clemens Chamber of Commerce is a member-focused business community. I invite you to learn more about the Chamber by visiting our website, louisville-clemens.com. And while we're in the world of audio, it's time for the fine print. Everyone has an opinion, but in this case, the views and the opinions stated in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors. So now that you've been appropriately advised, Let me remind you that this podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of the Louisville Clements Chamber of Commerce.